Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Good morning, church. My name is Slavik. I pastor here at City Hill Bellevue. And um, today I want to just invite you to open up the Word of God with me. And uh, we are continuing a part of a sermon series that we started last week called Lessons from Isolation. And uh, if you are watching this video uh, in the future sometime, know that we are locked up in quarantine right now. And that's why we have messages like this. But I think there is a case to be made that um, you can be a really good Christian in isolation. So if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to Philippians chapter 4, and we will start reading from verse 4. But before we do that, I want to invite you to join with me in this prayer. And, um, you know, if you can close your eyes, uh, whoever you're watching this with at your house, would you just join me and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts to receive the word. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for every single person at the sound of my voice, uh, people that are watching this maybe later on. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit might come and open up our hearts, Lord God, to be able to receive your word. And Father, that your word would make its way in our hearts, God, and change us and transform us. Lord, we exalt your name. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord God, in every single house. And Father, we ask you that you bless this morning's message. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, if you ever had a moment in your life where you were left without your phone, uh, most of us grew up with, without having a physical cell phone, um, but now it became so popular to have an iPhone that I feel like an iPhone or a phone in general is, is just sort of an extension of who we are, you know, and we are, we are constantly... Uh, looking for ways to, you know, find things to watch on our iPhone and social media and so on. And I remember one particular time about two years ago, somehow I managed to lock myself out of my iPhone for about two days. I don't know, and I didn't know that was possible. And uh, it was really scary because I was thinking like, what am I supposed to do with myself? You know, so I called the company, the manufacturer that, you know, had made that iPhone Apple. And um, I'm like, hey, I, I just somehow locked myself out of the iPhone. I've never had this before. And now I cannot even pick up phone calls and I cannot text message. And the lady on the other side says, well, yeah, you know, actually happened to me once too. And I'm like, okay. And she says, well, there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're the company who made this iPhone what do you mean there's nothing you can do about it? Well, we have a lot of privacy things that we have to go through and there's no way you just have to wait two days and then your, your iPhone will be unlocked. And it was really scary, again, because I didn't really know what to do. Uh, knowing how much stuff, when it comes to my work, when it comes to my personal life, it was on my phone. And it was a weird time. Needless to say, after two days, I was able to log back into my iPhone and um, life continued. And I do remember this one particular time in those two days that I was thinking, can this get any worse? And then March of 2020 hit. And uh, we are in the midst of, of a pandemic. And now it's like, man, yeah, we have our screens, but we can't see people. We can't go places. We can't go to our beloved restaurants and so on. And we find ourselves in quarantine or isolation. And I think 
we can just have a bad attitude about this, or we can look at what God is teaching us in these moments of isolation. And uh, the first thing that I think that God is teaching me, and I'll start with me because, you know, I think a lot of times God deals with me first before I can bring this message to you. And one thing that God has been teaching me is that I was really afraid of being alone. I was very afraid of being left you know, in silence with my thoughts. And it's weird because so many times I thought I'm an extrovert and I'm able to just kind of do with what I have and I don't have to worry um, about being alone. But, you know, when he started, the first few days, it felt like a vacation. Maybe after a week, it still felt like a vacation, you know, not having work and so on. But after a few weeks of doing this isolation thing, you are left with your thoughts a lot. And a lot of times you're in silence. And I think most of us, we are scared to be left alone in silence. And that was just about eight seconds. Made you feel a little bit uncomfortable, didn't it? Isn't it weird how when there's silence, we don't really know how to deal? Some of you guys are thinking like, did my live stream just end? Did, did Slavic just freeze? We are, we are extremely uncomfortable when we are left with nothing to think about. We're nothing to have in front of us, like an iPhone that we can scroll through. You find yourself on a bus ride where you're always looking at, at things on your phone. And when you don't have that, it's kind of scary. Because you see, I do believe that we find for ways to be distracted. Because when we, when we are left with our thoughts, with our silence, all the stuff that you've been pushing away seems to bubble up again. And now you have to deal with your inner you. Up until now, you were distracted by the things around you and you forgot about the things inside of you, in the inner you. I love how this um, theologian puts it. His name is Henry Newman. And uh, he writes this. He says, as soon as we are alone, inner chaos opens up in us. This chaos can be so disturbing and so confusing that we can hardly wait to get busy again. Sound familiar? Entering a private room and shutting the door, therefore, does not mean that we immediately shut all our inner doubts, anxieties, fears, bad memories, unresolved conflicts, angry feelings, and impulsive desires. He goes on to say, on the contrary, when we have removed the outer distractions, we often find that our inner distraction manifests themselves to us in full force. We often use the outer distractions to shield ourselves from superior noises. This makes the discipline of the solitude all more important. You know, I remember when I was reading this for the first time, and I was like, man, this guy gets it. Like, he knows what's up. When we are left in silence, the things that we have been dealing on the inside and we have been distracting ourselves with, right, 
um, now we have to, to kind of deal with this. We can't just push it away because we, we have nothing left to distract us with. When I was growing up, it's a weird time from the time you were 16 to 20 because you're constantly hanging out, you're constantly tired, you're working, going to school, and you feel like you're already in somewhat, somewhat of a fast forward in life where you don't really know what's up and what's down because you're constantly on the run. If you graduated school and then you get into your job, you're constantly working at your job, maybe over time. And, and then right now in quarantine, you're left alone and you, you don't have work as much. You don't really see a lot of people. You're tired of your screens. And now the fears that you have, the doubts, the anxieties, the, fear, uh, the bad memories, the unresolved conflicts, the angry feelings and impulsive desires, they start to bubble up and they start to come and they surface. And I was, when I was reading, reading this, I was thinking, well, this guy gets it, but then he gets to the end. And I feel, he, I feel like he pulled a fast one on me because he says, this makes the discipline of solitude all the more important. I'm like, wait a second, what do you mean? The whole time I, I was agreeing with you on this, but then you pulled this one on me that it's actually important for us to be in solitude. You see, what he is saying here is by being alone, being in solitude, now not alone just by yourself, I'm talking about being alone with God or being together with God, I think would be a better ter terminology. Being in solitude, when all these things start to bubble up, you are forced to deal with them. You are forced to bring those things before the Lord. So he says, this is why we should practice that. And this is not a bad thing. This is actually a good thing. It's worse, and I think it would be a bad thing if you're constantly distracted to the point of you're ignoring the problems that you have inside. You see, solitude is not being lonely. Solitude is to take time away, to turn off all the distractions, and spend time alone with God, and allow God to work in the things on the inside that you are so distracted by your job and so on on the outside that you forgot about the stuff inside. In Philippians 4.4, 4, I'm going to read the whole kind of like few verses here. He tells us that we should rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any, uh, any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the, uh, and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4.4 4 gives us 
the key, what gives us the answers to what we should do when we find ourselves in isolation and we are forced to deal with the sadness, that ever persistent sadness that we haven't dealt with because of unresolved conflict or doubts or, you know, anxious thoughts. Philippians 4.4 gives us an understanding, 4, 4 to 7 and 8 and 9, gives an, uh, us an understanding what, on what we should do when we find ourselves in this place. You see, I'd like to tell you that if you receive Jesus in your life, your life will be perfect from now on. I'd like to tell you that you'll never deal with another loss, with you won't deal with another anxious thought, but that's just not true. As a Christian, you will experience things like sadness and loss and fear. The point is though, we should not be overcome by that because Jesus overcame all of those things. We live in a broken world, a broken world that is full of pandemics and disease a broken world that is full, full of sin and evil and so on. We live in the world where we represent the kingdom of God and we bring the good news of Jesus into the world, but we still live in a broken world. And because of that, we will see things like this, things that will affect us. We live in, 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 on, here on earth, we live with, with this idea of God one day will come and he will put to right every single wrong. But until then, we still live in the broken world. We are still affected by this thing. We are living in a kingdom that is here, but not yet. Jesus came and gave us and showed us a way. He gave us salvation and, and the, the free gift of, of eternal life. But we still are dealing with brokenness of this present reality. And at times, we will have things in our lives that we have to bring before the Lord and deal with. The same theologian writes in another quote, he says this, Our life is a short time in expectation, a time in which sadness and joy kiss each other at every moment. There is quality of sadness that pervades all the moments of our lives. It seems that there's no such thing as a clear-cut, pure joy. But that even in the most happy moments of our existence, we sense a tinge of sadness. In every satisfaction, there is an awareness of limitation. In every success, there's fear of jealousy. Behind every smile, there is a tear. In every embrace, there is loneliness. In every friendship, distance and in all forms of light there is knowledge of surrounding darkness but this intimate experience in which every bit of life is touched by a bit of death can point us beyond the limits of our existence it can do so by making us look forward in expectation to the day when our hearts will be filled with perfect joy a joy then no one shall take away from us. Isn't that just beautiful? The, 